I'm not gonna lie to y'all. This feels dirty. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Lombardi Time Brews, where I'm your host, John Delray. Yes, today, today kicks off our division series where we take a look at the Bears, the Lions, the Vikings, and today we are talking about Dob Bears. Yes, we are diving into what were some of the stats from this last season? How did they wind up with that number one draft pick? What are their assets available to them this offseason as they look to rebuild their roster? How much of a threat are they to the Green Bay Packers? And I know the Packers didn't win the division, but like, eh, come on, it was an anomaly. So, but like, really, how close are the Bears to contending? And the answer is, if they nail this offseason, it may be a little closer than any of us really want to admit. This is a team with gaping holes, no doubt. But also, the resources to plug a lot of those holes in a pretty immediate manner. So let's dive into the Chicago Bears. Over the course of the rest of the week, you are going to hear me talk about the Lions. You're going to hear me talk about the Vikings. And of course, if there's any emergency news about a certain quarterback, you're going to have me pop on for an emergency episode talking about that or anything else that's super pertinent. Before getting to the Bears, though, just quick on the Packers front, what new news is there? Uh, There was a column out by Albert Breer earlier today that talked about uh, the Rodgers trade, how this year to him feels different than it has in past years, and other Packers have commented the same thing, such as Aaron Jones. He's talked about how the Jets are actively waiting for Aaron Rodgers' decision to move in on Derek Carr officially. Um, So he's also talking about how the trade market for Rodgers may be depressed compared to certainly what it would have been last year, but also maybe what people are thinking they may be able to get, and it may not include a first-round pick. Yeah. So if you haven't seen that article yet, go check out the Monday Morning Quarterback uh, and check out that article from Albert Breer. Also happening on the Packers front just very, very quickly. Since the last time we spoke, yes, they restructured the contracts of Preston Smith and Jair Alexander, securing them to the team even longer. Now, these weren't extensions. I say securing because it pushes money forward, making it potentially less likely that they're going to cut even next year. Look, Jair, you don't have to worry about, right? Preston Smith has been a little bit of a question mark over the last couple of years. No one is quite sure if he's going to live out this full contract extension that he signed last year. Regardless, though, these are moves the Packers had to make. They are now cap compliant. I don't believe that the restructure of Jair or Preston Smith has anything to do with the quarterback position at all. I saw a lot of people jumping to the conclusion of, well, they're clearing money because Rodgers is coming back. I No, I don't think so. They had to make these moves. Moves still yet to be made could be restructuring Kenny Clark, David Bakhtiari, even signing Rashawn Gary to an extension. There's still much work to be done. Even, uh, even from just a pure monetary standpoint, yes, they are now cap compliant. But to get to the season, what do they realistically need? According to Ken Ankles on Twitter, he says they need about another $13 million uh, just to get to the season. And that doesn't even include uh, signing free agents. Trading Rodgers is going to cost him another 10. So ignore anything where you see about how Jair and Preston means anything about the quarterback position. I don't believe that it does. One last Packers note before the Bears is for the Packers at the Combine, which of course starts this week. Uh, Matt LaFleur is not traveling with Brian Gutekunst to the Combine. Packers changing it up this year. LaFleur deciding for his staff that they'd rather stay back, evaluate players uh, from from Green Bay, uh, still have digital access to all the interviews, etc., etc., but they'd rather work on scheme and everything that they got to do. Let Goody and staff go take care of the Combine. 
it's just different than past years. But eventually you have to say that they can structure their offseason how they want to structure it. And it's becoming more and more teams aren't sending their coaching staffs to the combine. So the Packers are just kind of following the trend. Okay, let's bear down. Chicago Bears. Duh, Bears. Yes, let's talk about them and what their offseason may entail. First, though, looking back on last season, they were a whopping 3-14. and 14. Yeah, that record like that earns them fourth place in the division and the number one overall draft pick in this year's draft. Uh, in terms of points per game on the offensive side of the ball, they put up 19.2 points per game, puts them 23rd in the NFL. Their rushing yards per game is where the Bears truly excelled. They had 177.3 rushing yards per game. That is most in the NFL by a full 17 yards. That's first by quite a margin. In terms of passing the ball, though, completely opposite story. Passing the ball, they put up 130.5 yards per game. That is dead last in the NFL by 28 yards. So yes, while the Chicago Bears can run the ball, they can't really pass it to save their lives, and we're going to dive into why here shortly. Defensively, it's another kind of mess. And you know what you expect for a team that gets the number one overall draft pick, that the team is predominantly going to be a mess, right? Well, the stats bear that out. They gave up 27.2 points per game. That's most in the NFL. Uh, defensive rushing yards per game, they gave up 157.3. That's 31st in the NFL. Defensively, um, for passing, they gave up 218.6 yards per game. That's about middle of the pack. So you can see right away what this team does well versus what it doesn't do well just from its whole season stats. The team runs the ball shockingly well, passes the ball terribly, can't defend the run to save its life, and is okay against the pass. What have the Bears done so far in this baby offseason, though? Well, one thing that we know that they didn't do is change any of their top three coaches or their GM. Head coach Matt Eberflus will be returning, as will former Packer coach, offensive coordinator Luke Getze. Defensive coordinator Alvin Williams will be returning, as will their general manager Ryan Poles. In terms of transactions for players that they've already done, well, they signed Equinarius C. Huh. They signed EQ, let's just go with that. They signed EQ to another year uh, for next year, and they released someone who played a fairly prominent role in their defense this year, their defensive end edge player, Muhammad. He played in all 16 games, logged about 600 snaps, and they released him just recently. So there you have it. They extended EQ for another year. They released one of their defensive stalwarts. And you're going to see, too, with what I'm going to dive into next, the Bears actually had quite a few snaps potentially walking out of the building. We know that the Bears are looking to refresh their roster. We know, per what I'm going to get to soon with the assets that they have, that they're going to be able to remake much of their roster. But unless they sign some of these guys back, we're looking at a total roster makeover. So... Here are the players that were under contract by the Bears last season, but are not anymore. These players are all free agents, barring the fact that they get an extension before free agency actually starts on March 15th. So here's the list, and it's lengthy. First of all, wide receiver Byron Pringle. Tackle, Riley Reef, Outside linebacker, Nicholas Morrow. Defensive end, Angelo Blackson. Wide receiver, Keneal Harry. Tight end, Ryan Griffin. Safety, DeAndre Houston Carson. Long snapper, Patrick Sales. Outside linebacker, Matthew Adams. Cornerback, Dane Cruikshank. 
Uh, left tackle, Dakota Dozier. Guard, Michael Schofield. Defensive tackle, Mike Pennell. Wide receiver, Dante Pettis. Outside linebacker, Joe Thomas. Quarterback, Nathan Peterman. Running back, David Montgomery. Fullback, cocky blazing game. Center, Sam Mustafer. Linebacker, Javon White. Cornerback, Breon Borders. Tight end slash fullback, Trayvon Wesco. Cornerback, Josh Blackwell. Defensive end, tackle, big body, Armand Watts. That is a list, but here's where you can take most from the list. Cumulatively, I would say per their snap counts, the number of games that they appeared in, how prominently they were featured by the Bears, you're realistically looking at four defensive starters and three offensive starters all being free agents this year. In total, when per PFF, when I added up all of the snap counts, offensively, you're looking at currently in free agency 3,128 snaps. That if every single one of those guys leaves, there is that vacancy on the Bears, 3,128 snaps. Defensively, on the other side, this is where it really gets crazy, 5,153 snaps that played for the Bears last year are currently free agents or released in the form of Muhammad. 5,153 snaps. If you are interested in remaking your roster quickly, have that many snaps walk out the door and find new players for them. I mean, that's, that's a lot, a lot of snaps. So ultimately, when you look at what free agents there are for the Bears, where they statistically fell in this year, what are the three really like main issues that at least need to be addressed or answered for the Chicago Bears? Number one, defense. They were one of the worst run defenses in the league this year. They were middle of the pack in terms of pass defense. They traded away Robert Quinn. They traded away Roquan Smith. So ultimately, your defense doesn't have nearly as much, even at the least, name recognition as it used to. And plus, a lot of your younger guys from this last year, you could argue, underperformed, such as corner Kyler Gordon. Ultimately, this defense just straight up needs a talent infusion. They need to get after the quarterback better. They need to make plays better. The defense just cumulatively has to do everything better for the Chicago Bears. So, I mean, with 5,000 snaps walking out the door, it's a pretty easy way to do it. I would expect that the defense is going to be addressed in both the draft and free agency. So draft, maybe that's going to be your more premium positions like edge, while free agency could be more your big body defensive lineman, or even a safety. Yes, you've got Eddie Jackson, Joquan Brisker, but there's a lot of depth walking out the door. So some things are still going to have to be addressed. Number two, this team has got to learn how to pass the ball. Now look for the Packers and everyone else in the division. They love the fact that the Bears can't pass the ball. But if the Bears want to be successful, they do eventually have to adapt to a passing offense, right? So... Naturally, you look at the quarterback position, and he's a question all his own, and I'm going to get to him in a minute. But when you're looking up and down the rest of the roster, where are the deficiencies? Well, for one, they need to pass block better. And some of this is on fields, scrambling around. We know that running quarterbacks can can take more sacks than non-running quarterbacks just because of the, the scrambling nature, not staying within the structure, etc. But realistically, the Bears gave up 58 sacks this year. That's 29th in the NFL. The pass protection on this team has to get better. And they do have some really shining spots on their offensive line, including Jenkins, their guard, 
who finished as the third highest graded guard in the NFL this year per PFF. So there are some bright spots there, but on the whole, this offensive line just straight up did not block for the pass well enough. And Luke Etzi needs to scheme up something better to protect his young quarterback. But how about the wide receivers? You've got Equiminius St. Brown, Darnell Mooney, who certainly had a down year this year. You traded a second-round pick in a lost season for Chase Claypool, who didn't do a whole lot since being added. You know, and then at tight end, you got Cole Komet, who's steady and ascending, certainly. But are you looking at the stable of wide receivers, tight ends, ultimately weapons for the Chicago Bears? And saying that it's good enough? No, I don't think you are. And I don't think you can place the blame just on Justin Fields. So ultimately, sure. Step one, infuse the talent on defense. Step two, learn how to pass the ball and get some dudes in who can catch. I know it sounds easier than done, but but like, it has to happen for the Chicago Bears. Now let's take a look at number three. And this is more so not a need, so much as just a question that needs to be answered. What is Justin Fields? Is he a running good quarterback who's just good enough for right now? Or is he a savior of a franchise? Look, I mean, obviously, the man ran this year for 1,143 yards. He can run. There is no doubt he can run. And the Bears did have the most rushing yards per game in the NFL. Look, you had Justin Fields as your leading rusher. Then you had David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert combining for 1,500 yards just from the two running backs. But can Justin Fields honestly sustain a modern-day offense where you have to pass the ball? And if you go back and look at the film, you're going to see wild inconsistencies. Some amazing generational arm talent throws paired with some things that just make you sit back and go, Why? Why did he throw that ball not even close to his receiver? So that has to be answered. And it sounds like the Bears are leaning towards keeping Justin Fields and trading that number one pick to a quarterback needy team, which means they're building this whole thing around him. So they need to answer that question and fast, and they think they might have already. Here, I wanted to pull up some stats for you to at least see where Justin Fields could potentially go if he continues on this trajectory in the NFL. What's his true ceiling? Well, the answer is, because keep in mind, look, and this is where I kind of got this from. Do you remember the Philadelphia Eagles last year? With Jalen Hurts at quarterback, they called very, very short pass plays very frequently, and they ran the ball at a historic rate under first-year head coach Nick Sirianni. I mean, Philadelphia ran the ball constantly last year, and we entered into this season with this being the last audition year of Jalen Hurts, right? That he had to prove himself. He had to prove that he could lead a full-fledged offense and not just one that he runs around a lot, and they call run plays eight out of ten times. And then look at what happened. They surrounded him with tools like A.J. Brown. The offensive line was one of the best in football, and they became the NFC champions. So for Justin Fields, what can he do? Because they ran the ball darn near as much as Philadelphia did last year. So, is Fields Hurts? Well, let's look at some stats. In 2021, Jalen Hurts did the following. He threw for 3,144 yards, 16 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, while he ran for 784 yards and 10 touchdowns. Compare that to 2022 Justin Fields. 
2,242 yards passing, so significantly down, about 900 yards less. 17 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, very close to the same ratio. 1,143 yards and 8 touchdowns, so almost 400 more yards on the ground. Okay, now let's throw in one more quarterback, right? How about a former MVP? How about another guy who has long had the reputation in the NFL of being more of a runner than a passer, even though he's won an MVP and done some remarkable things passing the ball? Let's look at Baltimore's Lamar Jackson. In 2022, granted, it was only 12 games. It was a little bit of a down year for him. But ultimately, he passed four 17 touchdowns, seven picks to go along with about 2,200 yards passing. Then running the ball, 764 yards and three touchdowns all across 12 games. And you know, that stat line seems awfully similar to what the Bears got out of Justin Fields. Now, granted, it was only over 12 games, not 17, but nonetheless. Can Justin Fields morph into Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts? If he can, the Bears are cooking. If he can't, you're kind of just wasting your time. The signs are there. The consistency is not. The tools around him are not. So how do the Bears answer these questions? How do they address the problems? Well, they got the money. They got the money. They have $98 million available in cap space this offseason. A crazy total, $98 million. That is number one in the NFL by a mile. The number two team is Atlanta with 55. Number three, the Raiders with 46. They have more than double the cap space of the number three available team. Crazy. The Bears are going to be able to go on a spending spree like we've never seen before if they choose to do so. You want to remake your roster? That's an awfully good way to do it. How about draft? Well, we know that they have the number one draft pick. The number one overall pick, of which Adam Schefter reported this morning that the Bears are leaning towards keeping Justin Fields and trading away that number one draft pick to a QB-needy team and getting more draft assets in return. But as of right now, they hold number one. They also hold number 56 in round two, which they got from the Baltimore trade. They do not have a second round pick of their own trading it for Chase Claypool. In round three, they've got the number 65 pick. Round four, they've got 103 and 134. Round five, they've got 136, as well as 149. And in round seven, they've got 220. So a decent number of draft picks. Now, according to ESPN's Lance Zierlein, he's not expecting any comp picks to come towards the Bears. So let's take a look at some mock drafts for the Chicago Bears. And what do you see as the positional consensus? Well, you see most often an edge player. If they trade far back enough, a wide receiver or O-line seem to be the biggest needs, seem to be the positions that are most talked about on a consensus level that the Chicago Bears should pursue, especially if they're keeping Justin Fields a quarterback. Wide receiver and O-line make all the sense in the world. And for a defense that needs a talent diffusion and playmaking ability, Edge does too. So look, the Chicago Bears have some very interesting decisions to make. They need to beef up their defense. They need playmakers on offense. One thing that I didn't talk about a ton yet, I'll just kind of throw in here towards the end, David Montgomery. Yeah, they're running back. He's a free agent this year. His valuation per sport track comes in at about $7.5 million. 
the Chicago Bears flush with cash going to invest that in David Montgomery? Or do they believe that he's replaceable? Because here's the truth of it. Khalil Herbert, when he was running, averaged a full 1.7 yards per carry more than David Montgomery did. And their splits weren't even that far apart. This was almost a 1A, 1B situation. But where Montgomery excelled was being in Justin Fields' security blanket, averaging over 9 yards per catch, the fourth highest rate in the NFL for running backs. So did the Chicago Bears work to re-sign David Montgomery and keep what little playmaking they have in tow? Or they say he's replaceable too and move right on. So some massive questions for the Bears in amongst all of this data, in amongst all of these trends. Here's my main takeaway for the Chicago Bears. This is a transformational offseason. These only come around so often when all of the stars align, when you've got all this money and you were just bad enough to get the top draft pick. And teams can quickly, if they nail this offseason, ascend fast. Or they bring in the wrong pieces, make the wrong moves, and stay in the dungeons, cellar dwellers, for that many more years, having wasted all of these assets. It's tough to say what the Chicago Bears are doing to do, and it's really tough, honestly, to have all the faith in the world in their GM, Ryan Poles, after a series of decisions that have been hit or miss over the last couple of years. Are they going to nail this offseason? If they do, they are going to be contenders for the division. Maybe not this year, but within the next couple, certainly. If they flounder this opportunity, then we can keep saying the Bears still suck for many, many more years. It's all to be determined, and we'll see what the monsters of the midway ultimately opt to do all off-season long. Hopefully all of this information gave you a nice background info into one of the Green Bay Packers' biggest rivals as we enter this off-season. Wednesday and Friday, I'm going to be doing the same thing about the Detroit Lions and the Minnesota Vikings. So hang around all week as we learn about the other teams in the division and what kind of impact that could have on the Green Bay Packers. Thanks so much for joining me today on Lombardi Time Brews. Follow me on Twitter. Find the Facebook page for more content. Uh, There are some more things coming up soon. And if Aaron Rodgers makes his decision, you'll see me an additional episode this week. Thanks so much. Hope you're having a great day. And as always, Go Pack Go!